0: Good morning, friends. Today's message, Undivided. And my text is Psalm 86, verse 11, where it says, Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Now, Bible translators are somewhat divided on how to translate this phrase. For example, the New American Standard says, Unite my heart to fear your name. The contemporary English version gives a more general sense. uh, Make my heart focused only on honoring your name. And then there's a a paraphrase that says, help me make worshiping your name the most important thing in my life. And then Eugene Peterson in his message gives us this kind of a colorful rendering. Put me together, one heart and mind, then undivided I'll worship in joyful fear. You know, I kind of like the message translation because it often sounds like the way I pray. You know, put me together, Lord, because right now my life seems to be kind of scattered in a thousand directions. Most days my heart doesn't seem undivided, and it certainly doesn't feel like it needs some kind of uniting. So I like this phrase both ways. Unite my heart to fear your name. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. See, the first speaks of my need, The second speaks of my desire. And because my heart is so often divided, I need the Lord to unite it somehow so that I might worship Him with nothing held back. And that's the situation that many of us face on a regular basis. Our hearts are somewhat fragmented because we're pulled in so many directions at once. And the world around us is no help. So, in order to get some practical help in this area, let's start with the very basic question What are the marks of a divided heart? Well, I think the first one is probably what I'd call perpetual ambivalence. It's been said that a narcissist is a person who is unable to commit to anything outside of himself or herself. They kind of fly from one relationship to another, from one job to another, one friendship to another, one church to another, from one promise to another, never staying in one place long enough to make anything stick. They're here today, gone tomorrow. They promise and make excuses. They say, I'll call you tomorrow, then forget and apologize later. Or maybe they never remember at all. They date one person after another, never able to pop the question or answer the question because they're so easily distracted and because they deeply fear making a commitment that will require them to stay married for the rest of their life. You know, as so I was thinking about this, uh, a verse kind of popped in my head. It comes from First Chronicles 12 which lists the soldiers who came to David's aid when he was in Ziklag and later in Hebron. These uh, soldiers from various tribes in Israel realized that even though David was not king over Israel yet, God's hand was on him and he was bound to replace Saul sooner or later. So you have this list of men from Benjamin, Gad, Manasseh, and so on. And perhaps the most famous are the men of Issachar, where in First 1 Chronicles 12.32 it says, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Now, I'm sure there've been many fine sermons that have been preached in the praise of these men, but then in the very next verse we find this note about the warriors from the tribe of Zebulun. They're described as experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. Now, have you here here you have a, a large group of trained soldiers who came to David's ready to fight. They showed up in full battle gear, shields, spears, bows, whatever it took, ready to go to battle at a moment's notice. But that is not their finest quality. There's something even better to be said about them. They were men of undivided loyalty. The original Hebrew text emphasizes this in an unusual way when it uses the word for not and the word heart repeated twice. Not heart and heart, not double-hearted, not partly for Saul and partly for David, but having made their choice, it was one heart all the time, nothing held back. These men said, David, we're going all in. When you, where you lead, we're going to follow. Say the word, we'll go into battle. Uh, we serve at your command and only at your command. Now, 3,000 years later, after the men of Zebulun came to David, we remember them not for their military prowess, which must have been pretty good, but for their hearts. They were not heart and heart. They were not double-hearted. They were all in. People with an undivided heart can't talk that way. They're in and out at the same time. The second characteristic of a divided heart is divided priorities. We're going to kind of jump into Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable about a man who went out to sow seed. You probably know that parable pretty well. Um, Some of the seed fell on a path, some on stony ground, some on the thorns, some on good ground. Now, when Jesus explained the parable, he said that the four soils represented four responses to the message of the kingdom. But I want to just focus on the seed sown among the thorns. In Matthew 13, 7, it says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then in verse 22, Jesus offers the explanation of that verse where he says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man or the woman who hears the word. But the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. I don't know if you've ever planned a garden, but you probably understand what Jesus is saying. It's no matter how good the soil may appear from above, weeds are just kind of lurking right below the surface. If you don't pull them up, they're going to choke out the seed you've planted. Jesus said that some people are like that. They are fence straddlers. They say, yeah, but when they hear the word, and maybe they mean business, but they never pull the weeds out of their life. And in this parable, Jesus mentions two particular kinds of weeds. One is the worries of this life. This refers to any consuming concern in your life that just seems to catch all your attention. could be something that in itself is not all that bad, like a genuine concern for your job or health or your financial situation. could be a relationship that takes up all your waking moments. It could be a family issue that... Keeps you tossing and turning at night. And two, there's the deceitfulness of wealth. I think we understand that. I money's addictive. I mean, the more you have, the more you want. You've probably heard the story of the rich man who, when asked when he would stop working so hard, replied, "When I have enough money." Well, how much is enough? Well, one more dollar. That's the deceitfulness of riches. And it's not just a temptation to the rich man. The love of money comes to all of us. It seduces us. It Whispers in our ear over and over, if you only had a little bit more, you'd really be happy. Now, friends, it's important for us to remember that Jesus is not describing unusual or strange temptations. We all have things that worry us. We all face sickness or family crisis or medical issues or struggles with our kids, setbacks, career issues, periods of doubt and anger, spiritual struggle. We, We live in a fallen world. I mean, nobody's exempt from the troubles of life. We get sick. Our loved ones get sick financial pressures weigh on us, death knocks at our door sooner or later, and how quickly the thorns of life sprout up to divide our heart and divert our attention. These problems, these trials, these difficulties can choke out God's work and leave us spiritually anemic. Well, here's what I consider the third sign of a divided heart is unclear identity. You see, when the heart is divided, you don't know who you really are. When the heart is divided, you won't know which team you're even on. You don't know what uniform to put on. You act single even though you're married. Or you have two sets of friends that keep you separate. You have two vocabularies depending upon where you are. You know how to fit in wherever you happen to be. You're kind of like that chameleon. Change your colors so you'll always blend in. Living with a divided heart messes up the mind eventually. I mean, When you join the devil's team, you won't feel comfortable going back to the Lord's locker room at halftime. The strange, sad case of the Apostle Peter provides a prime example. In Matthew 26, on the night before the crucifixion, when Jesus met with his chosen men in the upper room, Peter took a look around and wasn't really impressed with what he saw. He said, Lord, I don't know much about these other guys. They look a little weak to me. I I wouldn't count on them if I were you. But don't worry, you got me. I'm your man, no matter what the rest of them do. I'll never betray you. You have my word on it. I'll never let you down. Or more simply put, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Now, I'm sure Peter meant it. If you'd asked him, I'm sure he would have said, I know I'm a little rough around the edges, and sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. I mean, it's true I'm a fisherman and not some Torah scholar, but I know my heart, and I'll never desert you, Lord. But that's the problem. Peter didn't know his own heart. Less than five hours after proclaiming his loyalty, this bold apostle turned to butter. All it took was a little servant girl to bring him down. And when the sordid triple betrayal was over, Peter wept bitterly and went away to be by himself, awash in shame and regret. And then came Easter morning when the women went to the tomb, little knowing that Jesus had risen from the dead. But when they got to the tomb early on Sunday, an angel announced the good news and instructed them in Mark 16, verse 7, Go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, I had never really noticed that in the text before, but what does it mean, his disciples and Peter? Well, I have a feeling that Peter's denial had separated him from the other disciples. No doubt he wondered to himself many times, I mean, what am I now? Am I a traitor or am I a disciple? See, he fell quickly. It's no wonder he's confused. His divided heart had tripped him up. Now, friends, this happens when we decide to play for Jesus' team and the devil's team at the same time. At some point, you've got to make up your mind. Choose a team and stick with it. Follow Jesus or don't, but stop messing around with the most basic commitments of life. And so I ask, do you know who you are? Because until you do, you never really know where you fit in. Once you know who you are, you can fit in anywhere. When you're unclear about who you really are, you struggle to serve Jesus anywhere. A person with a divided heart cannot really grasp their true identity. They'll pull this. They'll be pulled this way and that, and under pressure, they almost certainly will cave in. But Scripture says, but the man with an undivided heart knows who he is. And, and because he knows who he is, he doesn't have to constantly make decisions. You see, friends, once you make up your mind, life becomes simpler, though not always easier. One of my good inmate friends at Angola Prison always says, if you're going to be a Christian, be one. You know, that strikes me as excellent advice. It starts by having an undivided heart. And that brings us back to the beginning, back to Psalm eighty-six, eleven: Unite my heart to fear your name and put me together, Lord. The great uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon offered this summary in his writings. He said, a man of divided heart is weak. The man of one object is the man. Now, in, in what he wrote, the italics are in the word the Now, sometimes in our conversation, we'll say of so-and-so, he is the man. We mean he's a man of one purpose, the man we admire, the one to follow. And such a man is the man. Now, we must do as David did. We must pray, "O Lord, take the scattered fragments of our heart and unite them so that we may praise you. And only God can do this. But God can do it if we'll come to him with humility and sincerity. The hardest part is coming. And until you admit you need God's help, you're going to be stuck exactly where you are. I want to close with this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need to hear these ancient words once again. Unite my heart to fear your name. It can be so scattered, Lord, Pull, pulled in so many directions, so easily distracted. And how quickly I forget who you are. How quickly I forget your goodness to me. Unite my heart, Lord, put it back together again and refocus my thoughts and clarify my purpose. Grant that I should want you more than anything else. Thank you for your many gifts freely given. Forgive me for loving your gifts more than I love you. And in confessing this, I ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name. So here's my heart, Lord. Come in, rearrange things, make me new from the inside out. Thank you for loving me even when I seem to lose my way. I love you, Lord. Do your work in me. Unite my heart to fear your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.